gonna be rusty. No, I'm gonna have so much fun with this movie that I don't like. You know, ironically, the movie you have been super vocal about hating has been our number one downloaded episode. Sinister? Yeah. And I was thinking about it yesterday when we were driving. Remember, I was like, I have an idea for the drink video. Yeah. Weird that that movie would be the one I care about to make a video for. You're just fueled by spite. I think it's how cringe our original idea was going to be. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> that got scrapped. Yeah, no, that video was going to suck so hard. I'm glad we didn't post it. And we haven't posted in months. You know what? I'm glad we don't post. You know what? Let's stop this show right now. It's too much work. Welcome to the Shaking Out Scared Podcast. Here with you as always, your host Eric and BB. Today we're talking about the 1982 film Halloween 3 directed by Tommy Lee Wallace. But before we get into that, how are you, BB? Seven days till Halloween. Halloween. Mm, yeah. <laughs> as of recording. Seven days. It is seven days. <laughs> Silver Shamrock. Yeah, I didn't know whether to sing that song or must be the season of the witch, but I think both are copywritten. So. <laughs> <laughs> is it copyright infringement if it's sung horribly? I think we've covered this before. So, it almost sounded like you said he's sort of That's not what I was going for. <laughs> but so many things have happened since the last episode, right? The last one was posted on August 24th, I think, for oh Poltergeist. Yeah, we've done so much. And it's not because we're slacking. We've been doing a lot, and I'm sure people were like, what the fuck? I thought you were busy. <laughs> Tired of your excuses. Yeah. We saw Wicked, which was cool. It was awesome. Always wanted to see it ever since I was a kid. Curtis Connor live. We saw him. I've mentioned him in the past as my comfort content. Funny dude. It was a good show. I had a fun time. There was going to Pittsburgh, and I'm not playing this up as like a funny thing, but we did, ca- well, I caught COVID, and it was fucking annoying. Cause By some miracle, I didn't get it. Luckily, your symptoms were super mild. Yeah, it was like uh, just congestion. Luckily. Just be safe. It's still a thing. We also went to a boozy cauldron cocktail experience that was a lot different than what I expected, but we went with our friends Francisco and Brenda. There was a lot of stripping, which is not what you would expect. (laughs) That's exactly what I expect when you're drinking. Oh, yeah. Jack's pumpkin pop-up in Chicago is going on right now, too, so if you're in Chicago... Make sure to check it out. It's expensive. Don't check it out. Actually. I was going to say I would actually not recommend it. Yeah, no. It was fucking packed and I did not like it. It's one of those things that has gotten more and more popular because of the social medias. And now it's just fucking packed and it takes like an hour to get a drink. And it's like $200 per person. It used to be cute and dead, which is how we like things. And now it's not. We officially moved in. Fucking finally. This is a laundry list of things. I know. We're just trying to go fast. This is what you're here for. You're not here for the movies. You're here to hear what we're doing. And because we hate ourselves, obviously. Because our lives aren't crazy enough. We got another puppy. Woo! <laughs> no, she's cute. Her name is Ripley. Cute, I guess. Yeah, her name is Ripley after our hero and queen, Ellen Ripley from Alien. If you haven't guessed. We'll have her say hi later with Loki, maybe. She's also skittish and scared of everything, but she's cute. She's really fun. All right. Well, what do you have for creepy content? I feel like it's a ton. I couldn't remember all of it, but we were having a Halloween marathon for a while there. That ended quickly as soon as we got to the H2O stuff. Because you can't find it anywhere. So we had to go out and buy H2O, Resurrection, and the Curse of Michael Myers to continue this marathon. And the curse is the fifth one or the fourth one? I believe that is the seventh. No, I don't. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, me neither. When you were saying like, there's the seventh and the eighth one, and then there's like the ninth one. So I think curse is six, then resurrection is seven, and I think H2O is eight. I could be wrong. No, H2O came first before Resurrection. Did it? Okay. Right? 
I don't know. Correct us if we're wrong, but I know that Jamie Lee Curtis apparently wasn't going to be on. Like, the only way she could do the first one was that in her contract, she had to do the other one. Damn. <laughs> what else you got? That's all I can think of. Yeah. Take it away. Well, we watched Hocus Pocus 2. Fun remake. The first one, obviously, we love it. Cult classic. Wasn't a successful movie when it first came out. So when people were on the internet being like, what the fuck is this shit? It was like, dude, it's a kid's movie. Yeah, it's just a fun kid's movie. Just throw it on and shut your brain off. Yeah. There are things that, like, yeah, personally, I wouldn't have agreed with, like, all the singing that was super so unnatural. So much singing. <laughs> yeah. At least the first one was like, oh, they're at a party and they sing because they're putting a spell on you. But this one was like, they're singing in the forest. I think they even were like, oh, who is this for? But the ending was, all right, that's all I'll say. What else? The Dahmer series is out as of like weeks ago. I'm late to it, but I watched like the first 10 minutes because we've just been running around. I like Evan Peters, but I don't know. It's just odd from what I've heard people reviewing it it's like trying to paint sympathy for Dahmer and I'm like he killed the people why glorify them in a way I understand documentaries but a miniseries where he is like everything is from his perspective that's odd to me it is because so I watched like I said the first 10 minutes and it's too romanticized the way that they play him out like no there's victims that fall to Dahmer like imagine being the family of these people and watching this and being like what the fuck is this knowing netflix is making millions of dollars off your family member's murder yeah i don't know if i'll finish it it's different when it's fictional and another one you know it's real i was gonna say it's a funny stance to take being a horror podcast but these are fictional slashers you know right and last but not least we watched house of wax with our friends over at dink and deadly it was a great time their episode's already out so make sure to go check it out it's on their feed listen to it it's a good time they're always a good time and house of wax holds up in the gore category i would say it really did the ending i think is kind of funny the oh effects. it's cheesy but it's a fun time it's also fucked the getting your face peeled while not dead that's why i chose the movie because their theme for the month was face your fears and i saw that movie growing up and i remember that particular scene scarred me for life like it stuck with me more than any other part of that movie you know what scene i thought was kind of like that the werewolf scene from trick-or-treat I completely forgot about the skin ripping. Really? I love that. I thought that because of House of Wax, you would be freaked out by that one too. But you love it. You masochist. I don't make sense. We're going to watch Terrifier after this, I'm afraid. Oh, we're going to eat and things? Have you seen all the reports of people like puking in theaters about the second one? Marketing. Well, and yeah... I don't know if you saw me and Christina talking about it in Discord, but I was like, I could see that for the general public if they don't know what the fuck they're going in and to watching, watch. Yeah. But like for us weirdos, it's like, oh, well, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, if you don't know that Terrifier 1 is just a gore fest and you just suddenly decide to watch the sequel of something. Hey, some people are like, let's go in and watch a cute little Sunday movie called Terrifier. Obviously, it's not scary. So what do you have for comfort content? I actually really enjoyed watching Tuca and Birdie. I'd seen the first season when it had come out on Netflix and it got canceled like immediately, which I was really sad about because it was a pretty good show. It is from the same animators that do BoJack Horseman, but I believe the artist who created BoJack Horseman is the director in this and she's a woman. So it's definitely more geared towards a female audience. So if you like BoJack Horseman, but would like topics more about women and women's struggles and also just not as depressing and nihilistic as BoJack Horseman. There's still like hopefulness in this show. Go watch it. The first season's on Netflix and I did not know that they renewed it on HBO. So there is two more seasons that you could watch on HBO Max. Oh, so it was picked back up and not canceled? Yeah, because fans were like, why did you cancel it? Save this show. 
That's good. And it's just really sweet and comforting, and I recommend people to watch it. <laughs> what about you? I have just been watching a bunch of commentary videos on YouTube, a bunch of different channels. Curtis Connor obviously was one of them, but then it led me to watch others like Danny Gonzalez, Jarvis Johnson, Jordan Lika, Chad Chad. Not really. She's funny. She's funny. I like her. They're all funny. I mean, honestly, I think some of the videos are like hit or miss if you don't know what the topic that they're talking about is because I don't really follow like internet drama, but sometimes they'll like make me aware of stuff. I'm like, did you hear about this person who like makes food on a countertop and doesn't use utensils and shit? Did you hear about this lady who like just goes around fake breaking her husband and wasting a lot of time, but also still gets like 6 million views per video? Yeah. Love exposure in the internet. <laughs> That's not depressing at <laughs> yeah. all. But it brings you comfort. So. <laughs> Enraging comfort. Tell us about today's drink. Okay. We landed on a whiskey apple teeny, basically. Mostly because that song, Tennessee Whiskey, has been stuck in my head for like <laughs> the last two days. I was going to say, the one that's been on my mind is the, pull me in your fucking eye. <laughs> Oh, the TikTok one. Yeah. Basically, your standard Appletini recipe, except swap out the vodka, because, you know, we're not vodka people, really, for Jack's apple whiskey. What I did to tie it into Season of the Witch was make ice molds that I did with just some black dye and water of skulls. So when you pour your Appletini over them, they start to melt and slowly dilute like the melting faces in Season of the Witch. What about the maggots? Just kidding. I thought about adding like fake bugs and stuff. If in your mind you're like, what do I think of when I think of apples? You think of a worm. True. It would have worked on so many levels. <laughs> Close enough. But do you want to try it? Yes. What's fun about this is it starts to look like an ombre effect. Ombre? Ombre? It starts an ombre to look like a man effect. Yeah. <laughs> ombre because the black dye starts to dilute and there's, it's cool. It's cool. Just drink it. So I personally am not like a huge fan of apple flavored things. Like at all? No, Any? not really. I think Just apple cider? I think it's because when I was a kid, I ate a lot of apple things. And mm -hmm. then it started to just become a, I, no, I hate this actually. Like I don't like apple candies and anything like that. Really? But, I love apple flavored things. You know, like the Laffy Taffies, they had the apple flavor. Mm -hmm. I was always like the banana flavor, which is everyone's. <gasps> I un, hate the like, banana yeah, flavor. <laughs> everyone hates the banana flavor. I like the banana flavor. What's wrong with you? Yeah. So don't trust me. I would give this personally a two. Okay, that's fair. What about you? I really enjoy this. I think swapping out the vodka for some whiskey gives it a good kick. To me, I feel like whiskey is a very fall like liquor. <laughs> I'm going to give it a 3.5 out of 5. Mm, so you like it. I do like it. As much as you said you like apple, it's still pretty low. Because it is it is a little stronger. You just need one of these, to be honest. Did I mention that I'm calling it Season of the Witch? No. Well, I'm calling this one the Season of the Witch. Very creative. Very innovative, I know. You know, it's called Season of the Witch, but it should have been called... Season of the Robots? Silver Shamrock or some shit. Oh, we'll get into that. <laughs> Are you ready for some fun facts? All right. So this might be part of the reason why it didn't know what it wanted to do. Originally, for the second Halloween, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill didn't want to make it about Michael Myers. They wanted to create sort of an anthology, think the Twilight Zone style, where every year around Halloween, there would be a new story. The only thing tying them all together is that they would take place around Halloween. The reason we have Halloween 2 with Michael is because the studio pushed for it. People loved it. People were demanding to see more of the shape, which Deborah and John gave us. But it's very clear when you watch the second one that they were like, we're done. We're ending the story. It's very clear that Michael's dead at the end of this film, allowing them to create season of the witch which is probably what led to it having the horrible reception that it did people at this point had already fallen in love with michael we're expecting to see him even though you see him for like two seconds and they just did not appreciate this movie 
there's a lot of people out there that say if this had been the second movie and they had been able to make their anthologies the way they wanted, it would be more praised. But I think it's found its like cult following now in later years. You know, I used to agree to give it a chance, knowing that that was the case. Because I used to be like, yeah, like, I guess on its own it could work. But no, I think this movie's really annoying, actually. What is it, an hour 38, I think? Mm-hmm. This movie felt like it was four hours long. It Jesus Christ. It feels so much longer than it is. <laughs> and I think part of it is that it doesn't know what it wants to be. Even though we do not see Michael Myers, there is plenty of Easter eggs referring to the first two films in the franchise. One of the first being that Tom Atkins' ex-wife played Annie Brackett in the original Halloween. Just aged her up a little bit. Oh, damn. One of the henchmen, I can't even remember the guy's name. What's the owner's name? Cochran. Cochran. One of Cochran's henchmen is actually played by Dick Warlock. Oh. Who plays the shape in Halloween 2. I love Dick Warlock. Love a good dick. And finally, you can hear Jamie Lee Curtis's voice on the intercom announcing the curfew of the small town. I thought that voice sounded familiar and I thought I was crazy. No, it's Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, okay. And I saved this fact because I found it so awkward. I remember Tom Atkins talking about it on the In Search of Darkness documentary that we reference all the fucking time. But his actual wife at the time played Marge Gutman, which ends up being one of the women killed in the hotel room next to him while he's making out and doing the dirty with a 23-year-old. So imagine being an actor and you're acting in a love scene and your wife is next door acting in a getting murdered scene. Now, I don't know any actors myself, but do you think that some of these people in Hollywood get off on this? It's like an indirect way to be like, a, what do you call it? A voyeur? Is it the word? Voyeurism? Yeah. It's an indirect way of cheating on your wife That's without like, cheating on your wife. <laughs> is it Tim Burton that like seeing his wife with Johnny Depp? Yes, constantly. <laughs> is that all you got for? That's all I got for you. Okay. 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 Kudos to Tom Atkins. I do like him. I am going to hate on a lot of characters. Nothing to do with the actors themselves. Because Tom Atkins is fun. I just really hate his character. <laughs> oh yeah, the character he plays is not likable. Actually, you know what? Tom Atkins plays a lot of unlikable characters because the dad in Creep Show. Yes. Also hateable. Are you avoiding the speedrun? No. The speedrun's about to be quick and dirty. All right. Ready. Sit. Go. All right. So there's this guy with a mask. He ends up being a worker for the Silver Shamrock, but we don't find out until later. He's holding a mask, running from some dudes in suits. They're like murderous men in black. But uh, long story short, he ends up in the hospital. Tom Atkins is a doctor. He's got Loomis syndrome because he thinks he's a fucking cop. So he <laughs> starts investigating everything like it's his job. Uh, long story short, he gets a bunch of people killed because he's an asshole and likes pussy. And um, he ends up finding out that the whole Silver Shamrock thing is a facade for world domination and Samhain and protection against the dark arts. Uh, and at the end, it's like a whole factory explosion. And there's this super annoying song that keeps going off. And then they're trying to broadcast to kill all the kids that they put these masks on. And it's like almost too late. And Tom Atkins is like, it's on the third channel. Change it, change it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. And that's how it ends. That is how it ends. <laughs> yeah, 10 seconds left. There you go. Honestly, the speed run could have been some dude doesn't mind his damn business ends up ruining Cochran's plans. Okay, I wasn't going to bring it up this soon, but since you brought it up, his motives as a character for being there do not make sense. No, not even a little bit. At least Loomis is like, this guy was my patient. Yes. And I'm trying to get him back. This guy is just like, I want puss. Some puss. <laughs> so I'm going to follow this chick. It has nothing to do with me. This man wasn't even really my patient. I treated him in an emergency. Even the puss scenes are like, they come what? out of nowhere. Like, no pun intended. <laughs> just does not make sense to me. 
but we can get into it. Okay. The movie starts on October 23rd in Southern California, where we see a man running for his life while a car gives chase. He sneaks around a junkyard until he's finally confronted by a man in a suit. The suit starts choking him to the ground, but the man pulls a cement block out of under a car nearby using a chain, causing the car to roll towards them and smash the suit into another car, but it's like the slowest smashing. The suit kind of collapses like a robot, and the man takes his chance to run while holding what looks like an orange mask. We cut to a gas station one hour later where a television broadcast says one of the stones at Stonehenge were stolen. I hadn't noticed this the first time, but since I hadn't noticed it the first time, I was like, where the fuck did Stonehenge come out of? Nowhere. It's a blink and you miss it moment, and I don't know why it needs to be in here. Like Stonehenge the stone? Why? <laughs> because aliens. <laughs> Not even, because witchcraft, but like, <laughs> doesn't make sense. It's alien robot witchcraft that's what this movie should have been called halloween 3 alien robot witchcraft <laughs> a man named walter reads a newspaper while the silver shamrock commercial plays promoting three masks while playing the super fucking annoying music it's basically london bridge has fallen down but it counts down the days until halloween 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 can you be copywritten for that song fun fact the reason why it was used is because london bridges is in the public domain and they don't have to pay to use the jingle yeah. but did they make the silver shamrock song Copywritten? Copywritten. That'd be some... <laughs> that'd be some shit. Anyway, I hate it. The man hears a noise outside and looks around until he gets startled by the man being chased earlier who collapses in front of him saying, they're coming while clenching the mask. He was looking into the future at Tom Atkins with his daughter. Ew. Walter takes the man in his tow truck as one of the other suits watches. I just call them suits because they never get names. Nope. They're just dudes and Robot suits. henchmen. Robots. Hey, viewers, this is a spoiler alert, but you don't know they're robots yet. You think they're just weird-ass men. We meet Daniel showing up at his ex-wife's house to see his kids. He gives them masks as a gift, but they're like, these are trash, my guy. It's such a dad move where, like, he kind of knows what they wanted, but did not get them the right thing. It's because he's cheap. He has no money. He's just a doctor. How is he supposed to find Because he's drunk off his, his ass all the time. <laughs> Mom already gave us the good mask, Silver Shamrock Good. The kids put the masks on and start singing the damn song when Daniel gets a call to go into work. Linda, his ex-wife, is like, wow, drinking and doctoring, huh? Amazing. Daniel's at the hospital, though, afterward, and Walter explains what happened. Walter's like, I'm happy to help, but I also don't want anything to do with this. Like, I'm good, right? <laughs> on the TV nearby, the Silver Shamrock music plays, and the man with the mask wakes up to tell them that they're going to kill us, all of us. Daniel and the others just think he's delusional, and they, de and they debate him. <laughs> they debate him right there on the table. What do you mean? Daniel and the others just think he's delusional, and they sedate him. I think at this scene, one of the nurses mentions... Dr. Castle had to go home early, which is a reference ah. to Nick Castle. <laughs> Daniel is a sketchy-ass dude, though. He is not great. Daniel being the doctor, Tom Atkins's character. You mean his name is not Tom Atkins in the movie? <laughs> Tom Just Atkins playing himself? Playing Tom Atkins playing Daniel the doctor slash detective. I think they were going for the feel bad for the divorced husband trope, which you see in a lot of movies. You and I have talked about this before, that a lot of movies try to make you feel bad for the divorced dad who has to be on the phone with his nagging ex-wife. But like, Daniel is a piece of shit. There's nothing nagging about his ex-wife. She's doing her job as a mom. And anytime she's like, it's your turn to have the kids, be here for the kids. Daniel's like, oh, I got this like other thing to do. I got this like other a woman half to dead do. dude to do. I, got, yeah. I wonder if, because you said we've seen a lot of these in movies. These were written by kids that were coming up as children of divorce. It's possible. Because wasn't divorce not legal until like the 50s? Oh, I didn't know that. Is it? I could totally be making that up. Law was like, God said you got to stay together. Yeah. So divorce was like technically legal, but it seems like there was a big reform in 1969. So a lot of people that weren't able to get divorced before 
started to be able to get divorces more easily. Thus, those children went on to write a lot of media about divorced parents. So sad. Agnes, one of the nurses, is like, you must be tired. Go take a nap in the break room. Daniel tells her to join him and grabs her butt. He's slimy as shit. Agnes shoves him off, but hey, fucking chill, Daniel. If this is how he acts at work, I don't blame Linda. Like, they're probably divorced because this guy's always been this way. He didn't just start being slimy after the divorce. No, and I think he's banged everyone in this hospital, as we will see later. While it's happening, a suit watches and goes into the man's room to finish the job. We get a close-up as the suit covers the man's mouth and shoves his two fingers over his eyes and nose. I thought he was going to, like, squeeze his eye holes in. I did, too. But he ends up twisting the fuck out of his, like, nose bridge. And kills him instantly. It's disgusting. He like pulls it out and you can see the snap. Agnes walks in on him as he cleans his hands asking what he's doing, but the suit just walks past her without saying a word. Why do we get like a 10 minute shot of this man wiping his hands? (laughs) It lasts forever. Every shot in this is 10 minutes. Daniel hears her scream and runs over to find out what happened. Agnes points him in the direction of the suit and when Daniel finds the man getting in his car, he watches as the dude just pours gasoline all over himself and blows the car up. No emotion. Not a thought behind those eyes. He's like, before I get gaslit by everyone in this hospital, I'm going to gaslight myself. (laughs) Got him. Cops are all over the hospital as Daniel calls Linda to tell her he won't be able to pick up the kids because of what happened. She goes off on him and he plays the annoying ex-wife card with a cop standing nearby. He's like, oh, it's it's my ex-wife. Come on, buddy. The thing that bothers me about this is that he could easily say... There's been a murder. He says, not an accident. I'll call you later. No, no, no. She's like screaming at him. Rightfully so. So I think this movie has a little bit of a The Boy Who Cried Wolf story going for it. The whole reason that no one believes him at the end is because he has been a shitty liar all his life. So I think that even if he was telling her the truth, she doesn't believe him because he's always been a slimy, lion-ass dude. Could be, yeah. It's the next morning and we meet Ellie who enters the room to confirm her father is the one who was killed. Daniel watches as the cops try to explain what happened and makes eye contact with her as he leaves. You know, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. We have our love interest. Why? Why are you in the room? Go away doctor this is a crime scene it's october 27th and daniel asks teddy the coroner to give him more info on what happened he doesn't believe what happened was because of drugs seeing as the man looked like a businessman bro if there's anyone i would think is on drugs it's a man in a suit yeah statistically they are the most likely to be on drugs i can't tell you how many times people in suits would ask me for an eight ball when i used to work at the hotel and i wasn't sharing <laughs> no she says she can't help him but he presses her she's like damn you're really letting this get to you and i agree You're a doctor, not a detective. Daniel, mind your business. She decides she's going to help him, and before he leaves, he's also pretty handsy with her. This relationship also is gross. He's manipulated this woman into doing something that's outside her job, because, I don't know, I guess in this universe, Tom Atkins is like the ultimate man piece. It's like in novelas when the dude with his shirt open and he's got the hair half the time. It's like a really old man and the woman who's like the main character is a very young girl. Is like 18. Yeah. (laughs) And already considered too old. Yes. The amount of time it takes him to be like, wait, how old are you? Anyway. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah, I thought the same thing. (laughs) It's October 29th and Daniel's at a bar where we see the original Halloween being promoted on a TV as the immortal classic before the silver shamrock ad plays. I thought it was fun. My favorite part in the entire movie. It really was. I was like, wow, give me more of that. Actually, you know what? Keep the camera on the TV and don't go anywhere else. Let the rest of the world burn around the camera, but keep the feed on this movie. I've never seen it before. Daniel yells for the bartender to change it when Ellie walks in to talk to him. We find out that ellie asked the nurses to find out where he was why because she wants to know more about 
what her dad said before he died. Could have asked the nurses. They were there too. He strictly tells her about the mask and then he said, they're going to kill us all. So she takes him to his store. She talks about how his store wasn't doing too great because of the malls, but he stayed open for the kids. So he was a great guy. She started investigating his journal and found that between picking up more masks and a date with someone, he stopped showing up. So something had to have happened between the two different times. Daniel looks over to the silver shamrock masks and realizes they're the same kind he was holding in his hand. Ellie says the people from Santa Mira might know what happened to him since it's near Silver Shamrock. We get another scene of Daniel being a shitty father and telling Linda he can't get the kids before getting into Ellie's car to head to Santa Mira. You don't have to go with this woman there. You have no business going. Your coroner friend has no business looking into looking this. into this. I mean, she could have asked him that question, sure. But then why have him tag along everywhere else? I don't think I would have gone to look for him at the bar, though. Well, if everyone knows you're day drinking, go look for him. Is it that serious? I don't know. I would have asked him there when he was in the room. Tell me what he said. You're right here. Yeah. We get a long driving scene where all we get is some exposition about an Irish man named Connell Cochran converting a large dairy farm into a toy factory that is dedicated to making Halloween masks. We get this very odd comment. The Irish in Halloween? Yeah. It just felt like a really out-of-pocket comment to make. <laughs> it wasn't until you told me about... We originally wanted to make a shot that was the colors of the mask that I realized the colors of the mask are the Irish colors. Yeah. White, orange, green. I didn't put the two and two together and I was like, oh my god. As they drive through the town, the people just stare at them like robots. So they decide they need to come up with a plan and stay at a motel down the road. Their you plan- have to. <laughs> have to. Wait, how far did they even drive? I don't even know. Five minutes because that's how long that scene took. Their plan is to pretend they're buyers so people aren't suspicious. Daniel goes to the front desk and confirms that Ellie's dad stayed at the motel on the 20th. While the motel owner helps Ellie with her bag, he points out that Mr. Cochran is passing by, so he stops to wave. Ellie watches as a black car just ominously cruises past. We meet a goofy family buddy and Betty who recklessly show up in an RV and introduce themselves to Daniel. Before Daniel can get back to his room, he almost gets hit by a parking car, but he can't get a word out because a lady gets off complaining that she has to stay at the motel again since they got her orders all wrong. This scene seems so inorganic, right? It seems like a fucking circus. Oh, family out of nowhere. And then he almost gets run over. And if you watch Tom Atkins the entire time, he's just like, this but not an saying anything. <laughs> well, sorry. He's just like shuffling to the side and like almost saying something every single time. It almost reminds me of like Charlie Chaplin. I don't know. I feel like this happens to me often where I go somewhere and there's just like people running at you all the freaking time and you're just like, let me go. And the whole time you're just like and people... pointing and holding your sides like an angry old man. Yes. Okay. Well, I guess it's organic for you. How many hotels or motels are you staying at? It's usually when you leave me alone and you're like, I'm going to go check us in and I'm just like holding everything and then people <laughs> start trying to talk to me. Oh no. Sounds dangerous. He finds Ellie in the room and she tells him she saw Cochran. She gets riled up and says she wants to go confront him right now, but Daniel's like, yo, let's take our time. Let's get a drink. Oh. No, he's like, it's getting late and I need a drink. Yes. It is <laughs> still <PM>. daylight. <laughs> but he's like, these clothes could use a wash. Oh, I should get out of the room, right? I don't want to inconvenience you with my presence. Stands in the bathroom doorway. Like when you do that, you would be like in the door. You don't question it. You're just like, all right, well... Bye. That's not what we're here for. So many things. One, it is so clear that that is what he is there for. (laughs) Ellie's like, won't people get suspicious? And he's like, I can sleep in the car. Why is he William Shatner? (laughs) I can sleep in the car. (laughs) It also bothers me that they decide to pose as a couple when it's very believable that he's her Her father. (laughs) (laughs) Which would have been more believable. (laughs) Yes. She's like... Where do you want to sleep? The whole dynamic doesn't make any sense because there's been no chemistry other no than a car drive. No romantic chemistry <laughs> at all. Where do you want to 
sleep. And he's like, you know, damn well. That's a stupid question, Miss whatever her last name is. Ellie. Miss Ellie. Well, that's a dumbass, stupid ass question. Aggressively (laughs) makes out with her. Obviously, they do make out. It's so odd because there is no buildup to it, but you know that's why he's there. So you're like, yeah, what else is going to happen? But also nothing has like insinuated that both parties are into each other. Outside, an alarm rings with a voice saying curfew has commenced while we see people shutting all their doors and windows. I like how she says, do your business in your own home. I see you. I see what you're doing over there. Daniel's out in the middle of the night getting a bottle when he gets startled by a man standing in the shadows. The man looks beat up and asks him for a swig. Daniel hands the bottle over and asks about Cochran. The man explains none of the locals were hired, so all the people who work in the factory are outsiders. He says they're probably watching them and listening to their conversation, so he says it's the last Halloween for his factory. Daniel tries to calm him down, but the man doesn't care and says he's heard rumors. He says he's going to burn the whole place down and just walks away. I don't know if this was normal in the 80s. This is why there's so many viruses and breakouts and shit because people back in the day just were so willing to trust everyone. Say what you will about it. Yeah, we don't trust anyone these days, but is that really a bad thing? Letting him take a swig from his bottle? You don't know where this man has been. I wonder if he does it because he's trying to get information out of him, but I also thought that was disgusting. You're just letting (laughs) this man drink out of your things. Daniel continues back to the motel and we see the man drinking in a junkyard when he's confronted by two suits. He says he was kidding but they just rip his head off right out of his shoulders with their bare hands this scene is so suggestive <laughs> when one man stands behind him the other man stands in front, in front of him he gets on his knees he's on his knees grabs they, him they by the head. slightly wiggle they're not really moving <laughs> he's very suggestive the most dome he's ever had in his life <laughs> with that death grip yes at the motel ellie runs into the lady from earlier named marge who tells her that ever since they've started doing big volume business little shops aren't getting as much attention anymore she says quality of the mask is also going down she shows ellie a mask and says the trademark just fell right off just uh flashing this thick ass silver shamrock coin at ellie which i think is funny because it isn't until later that she realizes there's a chip on the back but mm-hmm. this lady's had this thing in her purse the whole time she didn't notice this when she left the house you just throw things in your purse sometimes it's not my mm-hmm. biggest gripe with this movie marge goes off to her room where we see her put the coin down the coin falls to the ground after she brushes it with her purse and we notice it's got a chip on the other side meanwhile daniel calls teddy to see if she's found anything but she says the sample she was given must have gotten mixed up since they're just ashes from car parts your first hint that something is wrong daniel says he'll call tomorrow and walks in on ellie who has this sexy lingerie on aren't we here to investigate the death of your father why would she have packed this literally what i was about to say why did she pack this <laughs> She's trying to work through her daddy issues, apparently. (laughs) There's always emergency lingerie that's needed, okay? Anyway, we cut to them being done with the sex. but Not before we have a way too long scene of him sucking on her nipple. (laughs) (laughs) Why do we need to see that? (laughs) We were talking about this yesterday because we watched House of the Dragon. Yeah. Right? And they were just full on fucking forever. And I was like, what? Part of Hollywood was like, we need to full on just show the entirety of the sex scene. Like, Is it for people who just like refuse to watch porn and this is the only way they're getting it through TV shows and season of the witch? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, gratuitous sex scenes have them all day. I just sometimes I'm like, what's next? <laughs> Daniel, what else you got in your holster of weird things that you do? But Ellie starts trying to go at it again when Daniel's like, wait, aren't you tired? You came with a plan and you weren't ready for it? Where's the Viagra? Oh my God. He's like 50 years old and she's like 20 something. Of (laughs) course he's tired. So he's like, how old are you? She's like, it's cool. I'm older than I look. How old are you? This this is too late (laughs) to ask this question. But also still answer the question. What is happening? 
Marge is going to die next door, but take us to Marge. Let us go. We get it. They're fucking, all right? They have them still have sex so that Marge dies in the back, and then they hear the noise of Marge dying. So they could still be having sex and be like, what was that? And he's like, who the fuck cares? Like, Were you tired? <laughs> Were you tired, bitch? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, God, I this wrote is down such here. a, like, just male fantasy to write that just 20-year-old women are out there looking for 50-year-old men. <laughs> Not to yuck people's yum, but I do believe that when you are in your early 20s, you still got a lot of figuring out to do, and you could still be groomed by an older person. Yeah. That is all I will say about that. Next door, Marge notices the chip on the floor and starts picking at it with her hairpin. The chip shoots a laser at her face, and we get this awesome face-melting scene with a little bee that crawls around her face onto her like forehead, and it goes into her hair, I think? This is, for me, the best scene in the entire movie. It's great makeup. It's creepy. It's gross. Nothing else crazier happens after that, right? I think it's like the most yeah. graphic. I mean, there's some like ripping out robot guts, but it's just gross. Robot. Just gross. Like, oh, and you know, then the kid that gets its face melted off, but whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pumpkinhead. Daniel and Ellie notice paramedics going into Marge's room and go out to check. Daniel's like, I'm a doctor and everyone just ignores him. Yes, bitch, go back in your room. You're not if a you're doctor a doctor, here. go to work. <laughs> the motel owner says she'll be fine. And Daniel asks, who's in charge of her care? The owner says Mr. Cochran takes care of it as Cochran arrives in his car. He introduces himself to Daniel and Ellie, telling them Marge will be just fine. He says she'll be treated at the Silver Shamrock state-of-the-art medical facility, so there's nothing to worry about. What? Why? Take her to an actual hospital. Why are you taking her to their factory? Yeah, I think famously factories that have medical facilities in them are not good. <laughs> Sus as fuck. As Cochran walks away, he asks one of the suits, what happened here? And he's like, just misfire. Daniel and Ellie heard the misfire and don't know what to make of it. He asks if they should leave, but Ellie says they still need to find out what happened. The next day, Daniel calls Teddy again, and she makes the point that someone might be tampering with the evidence because she hasn't found a single fragment of human remains. Daniel asks her to find out everything she can about Connell Cochran. When Daniel hangs up, we notice there's a phone tap on the other side of the table. This subplot with Teddy could be completely scrapped. It's unnecessary. You already are suspecting something. Also, she's not like your private secretary. She has an actual job. Like, I don't care how good the dick is and how she's trying to have dinner again. Why would you do all this for this man? It doesn't make sense. She dies for nothing. Mm. Daniel and Ellie go to the Silver Shamrock where a lady tells them her dad did pick up his order on the 21st. One of the workers there even confirms he saw him drive off. They're about to leave when Buddy and Betty Cupfer enter with their kid to meet Cochran. Cochran comes out and mentions the Cupfer family has sold the most masks in the entire country. He notices Daniel and Ellie standing there, so he reassures them again that Marge is okay. Cochran invites the family to get a tour of the factory, but Buddy asks him to invite Daniel and Ellie, so Cochran agrees. They all go through the tour, which feels like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, kind of, but also not, because it's... Way more boring. Boring. <laughs> they all go through the tour, which ends with the kid trying to grab a mask for himself. I thought this was going to go, like, the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory direction with the kid getting Oompa loompa you know? <laughs> <laughs> by someone random That'd putting a mask so on funny. his head and pulling him into the shadows. Cochran tells him to grab a packaged mask because the ones on display haven't been through final processing. The one he puts on the kid clearly has a silver shamrock coin on it already. Buddy asks Betty what final processing could he mean, but Betty's like, whatever. I do end up feeling bad for these people because they probably work their ass off and are like Marge said earlier, the little business. Obviously, Buddy, I don't know if he is a little business because they said he sold the most masks in the whole country, but either way, they end up getting fucked <laughs> by Cochran. Buddy catches up to Cochran and asks him this time what final processing is. Cochran beats around the bush saying they've got trade secrets, but Daniel steps in asking if they wouldn't show the person who sold the most masks. 
Cochrane stops them and just says the final inspection involves dangerous and volatile chemicals. So your masks include dangerous and volatile chemicals and children are putting this on their face like as a parent. <laughs> but what do you do even if he is like, yeah, no, there's very dangerous chemicals on it. To be completely honest, I am just selling a product. I don't particularly care what goes on through production. Give me my check. Yeah, whatever. While Buddy stays talking to Cochran, Daniel notices the men in suits just standing around and watching. He goes over to Elliot and they leave slowly as he explains the men watching look like the ones who killed her father. Some men open a garage door and Ellie notices there's a car that looks just like her dad's. She runs over, but the men get in her way, causing her to back down. Daniel and Ellie decide to leave, but when Daniel decides to go call the police, he leaves Ellie in the room to pack with the door open. He tries the front desk's phone and keeps getting a failed call message while the Silver Shamrock music plays and repeat on a TV nearby. Daniel runs back to the room and notices the door is wide open. She's nowhere to be found, and when he tries walking out, there's a line of men in suits waiting for him. He slams the door and hides in the bathroom while the men just smash through the door knocking it in off of its hinges. Daniel makes it out the bathroom window and runs for it. We watch Daniel just sneak around for a solid five minutes before he makes it into the factory to find Ellie. Tell me that these couldn't have been deleted. I'm not even joking. Five minutes? And it's not the first time that we see him sneak around endlessly. This is the part where I was telling you that it felt like the Key and Peele skit where the guy snaps necks. Your movie's an hour 30 something. Why is this a five minute scene? Because he's the galan. He's the one who's gotta be the action hero. It's Tom Atkins. He's got to like do a barrel roll and hide from everyone and save the girl. Right. Everyone knows that drunk doctors make the best action heroes. Right. He's got the hair and the jacket and the khakis. He runs into a lady knitting and asks her where Ellie is, but when she doesn't respond, he shakes her, causing her head to fall off. He gets startled, but he notices it's a fake and that the body has a bunch of gears moving around. Suddenly, a suit grabs him from behind and throws him into another room. This old lady very much looks like an animatronic from Disney World. It does. The other thing I have a problem with is these robots. They quickly dispatch everyone that has like gotten in their way, right? Like They destroyed Ellie's dad's face. They fucking ripped the man's head out of his shoulders. But then they fight Daniel, and suddenly they don't know how to fight yeah. Daniel tries punching him several times, but the suit is unaffected and just grabs Daniel by his head. We're like, okay, he's done for. But no, Daniel punches him in the gut so hard he goes through him, causing the suit to spit up yellow goop. Daniel pulls wiring up from inside the man and looks at his hand before another suit shows up grabbing him from behind. I think it's funny because Daniel's just like looking at his hand and the goop. And then just gets touched in the shoulder softly. Also, is this supposed to be the big reveal because it falls flat? It does, because then Cochran's like, oh, this was an old puppet thingy. Fuck, it's German or something like that. <laughs> a third suit shows up and they lift him on his feet while Cochran approaches holding the old lady's head. Daniel asks where Ellie is and Cochran just says she's resting now. He reveals he knows his true identity and points out it's Halloween day. They take Daniel to the doors labeled Final Processing where Cochran explains he made all the suits. I think it's funny that it's like, <laughs> it's like in a video game when it's like the final boss room is clearly that door. Earlier when they were walking around with Buddy and stuff, there's like not even men standing in front of it. They take Daniel to the doors labeled Final Processing where Cochrane explains he made all the suits. They go down an elevator and Cochrane continues they've used new and ancient technology. Daniel's just confused until we see a room full of scientists with the missing stone of Stonehenge in the middle. Cochrane calls it an ancient sacrificial circle. A scientist nearby is placing pieces of the stone on the silver shamrock coins, and Cochrane explains that the stone has power. So much so that even a particle can be devastating. He's like, you asked about the girl, right? and shows him a video feed of Ellie strapped to a bed. Daniel thinks he's killed her, but Cochran denies it and says he wants to show him a demonstration. This feels like an action movie now. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like a horror movie anymore. But we have robots that are relying on supernatural elements. It doesn't work. This feels like James Bond, let me reveal my big master plan. Mm -hmm. 
We see the Buddy family walking through the halls of the factory still, so we can only assume something's about to happen to them. The men take them to a room that looks like a living room and leave them behind where we can see the doors labeled Test Room A. Buddy says he keeps trying to talk to them about next year's sales, and Betty jokes about there not being a Halloween next year. Hilarious. The Silver Shamrock commercial starts playing on the TV in the room, only this time it's different. A voice tells the kids to gather around the TV and put on their masks to watch the pumpkin on the screen. Betty laughs about the place being a joke while their kid's mask starts melting over his head. The kid collapses and bugs and snakes and worms just start oozing out the kid's head. Betty passes out while Buddy tries to get out of the room, but it's too late when a snake bites Buddy's leg. I like how he just leaves his wife and child there. It takes him too long, too, to notice that this kid's just dying in front of them. I also don't understand Cochrane's plan at this point because the children would be the ones that die, right? Like, the parents aren't wearing the mask. Maybe some adults are, but... Is just watching your child die going to make you die immediately from shock? It feels like that's what he's banking on. In this case, it's like the bugs and all that stuff are also going to take care of some people, right? But I also didn't know. Like, okay, you kill the kids in the whole country. The biggest trick of them all. I also feel like this movie is ignoring that time zones are a thing because... It's all like at 9 p.m. At 9 p.m. The giveaway. <laughs> Kids just start dying early. Right. They shut the music off and carry Daniel away, cutting into a montage of televisions playing the broadcast. Kids all over the country are getting ready for Halloween, buying their masks while the broadcast tells them to make sure they watch the Horrorathon that night. Also, Be- what parents are letting their kids watch Halloween? Yeah, kids watch the Horrorathon. Get home early. Have your parents watch a bunch of teenagers get married and fuck. Don't married and fuck. A decent marriage. Sounded like you said married. <laughs> Murdered. Sorry, I was just saying murder. And don't forget the raffle at 9 p.m. They also don't explain what the raffle is. Hey, exactly. What is it? More masks. How do you know you're the winner? Do they say your name? Like your full name? You have a very common name. You don't even know. John Smith. Yeah, if it's you. Back at the coroner's, Teddy tries calling Daniel and Santa Mira, but the call can't be completed. She's holding a circular device and calls another guy named Roger, who she wants to show the part to as she doesn't think it's a car part. In the background, we notice a suit approaching, and his murder's weird. He pulls the drill out from the drawer, then puts it on the counter, then knocks her down, then grabs the drill again to drill her face in. Could have just held on to there, there buddy. <laughs> yeah. Maybe for a horror effect, they're like, ooh, she's got the drill. He puts the drill on the table, and you're like, oh no, what's he going to do with that drill? What's he going to do? I mean, I think you know. It's not a good building <laughs> suspense <laughs> scene. Uh, but he drills through his skull. At 7.30 on Halloween night, we cut back to Daniel tied to a chair as Cochran tells him to enjoy the horrorathon. Daniel asks him why he's doing this, and Cochran says he does love a good joke. He says this is the best one ever, and it's a joke on the children. He continues, though, saying the real reason is around the real custom of Halloween. Seven. He explains that back in the old Celtic lands, the people would wait for that moment where the line was thinnest between the land of the real and unreal. They had the festival of Samhain, and the last great one took place 3,000 years ago, where the hills ran red with the blood of animals and children. Daniel says it was witchcraft, but Cochrane says it was their way of controlling their environment. He says the world's going to change tonight and puts a mask over his head. He puts Halloween on the TV and says, Happy Halloween before leaving the room. This motive makes no sense so you're saying your motives are this magical ritual but what do you get out of it why do all this work what do you gain yeah because he's like we do it to control our environment like is it just implied that he has all he has because of this like he's got power through huge sacrifices then say that i have all this money because we did this three thousand years ago and now i'm here to do it again because it's been too long right if you said I like renewed my deal with the devil, 
that would have made more sense to me. This is one of my biggest problems with this movie. It could have elements of being a fun story, but they just overcomplicate it and don't explain their plot points. They could have said like, oh, the suits are sentient because they're made from the magic of the stone. And that's why they're like horrifying. Yeah, just tie it all together for me. Yeah. Daniel manages to kick the TV in and uses a piece of the glass to cut himself free. He takes the mask off and manages to cover the security camera in one try. <laughs> His entire escape is just, it would not happen. <laughs> no. They have a camera feed on him. The, the entire, entire time. time. <laughs> the one guy, I think, like, turns to the left and he turns back and he's just like, whoa, what the fuck? The suits are just dumb. <laughs> when he goes to tell Cochran that something happened, Cochran's on a call. He waits politely. He just, he politely. He's just a good employee. Oh, man. Meanwhile, Daniel just takes his time getting out through some vents. Cochran finally hangs up and they go investigate, but it's too late. Daniel's out of there. Not without another five-minute run of Daniel just sneaking around again. Daniel tries calling Linda to tell her to take the masks away from the kids, but Linda's like, fuck you, bitch. The ones I gave him, you just jealous. Go to hell. Fuck you. And clicks on him. Fair enough, Linda. He finds Ellie and manages to get her free, so we get another five minutes of them sneaking out, including using a cart of masks to walk past the the entire staff of scientists in this giant open room it's so cartoony <laughs> they also aren't trying that hard to find them with an operation this big you would think he'd have like security armed guards like budget but don't make it that he's got this whole empire right like make it so that it's just like a very isolated operation that's just happening in california daniel sneaks over to the console and just starts hitting a bunch of buttons causing things to go haywire Again, no one sees him. Daniel and Ellie then climb above and pour a bunch of shamrock coins over the scientists, causing them to get fried. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. In what world would this work? Well, there's no sense in this world. Misfires everywhere. And I, I, I want to give this movie like a chance, but this is the most action-packed portion of this film so far, and I'm just bored watching this. Because well, no one is stopping anybody. They were allowed to just run past with a box of chips, and they're just like, wow, I wonder what they're doing now. We, <laughs> we found them, but what do we do? Let's see how this plays out. Let's <laughs> see what they're going to do. Cochran just watches as the music gets faster and faster. He turns to see the stone rumbling and claps in Daniel's direction. The TV screen starts whirring with a light in a circle, and a beam of light from the stone hits Cochran in the back, turning him into this white clay-looking figure. He disappears, and the stone just starts exploding, causing the whole place to go up in flames. You're telling me Cochran was a force ghost this whole time? This is also just so abrupt and like, oh, bad guy's dead. Doesn't make sense. No. Daniel and Ellie drive off into the night. Daniel tries finding a station that isn't playing that damn song and turns to Ellie to ask her if she's okay. She hasn't said a word at this point and suddenly starts squeezing and clawing his face. She forces his hand, causing him to crash into a tree nearby, but he's able to make it out alive. This is another thing that makes no sense to me. If she's been a robot the entire time, wouldn't she have tried to stop him before he threw all those shamrock pins all over the place? <laughs> right. Why wait until everyone's dead <laughs> and you're away in safety to suddenly attack this man? If you are a minion of Cochrane. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, why would she be fighting? Was she going to go back? If she does kill Daniel. Well, I guess, is it like the last ditch effort that the magic is still in her and no. to stop the plot? No, it makes no they sense. They need to kill Daniel so that the whole thing can go through. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> Don't try to justify this decision. Also assuming that like that place was a broadcasting place for all these suits to know what they need to do. Wouldn't they all malfunction as soon as it blew up? Yeah. He goes around the car to see if she's still there, but her arm was ripped off holding the door. She surprises him and starts choking him with her other arm, but he grabs a crowbar and knocks her head off. 
We get this view of her head on the ground, still looking around while Daniel gets back in the car. It's a cool scene. Yeah. He tries closing the passenger door, but the arm comes to life and starts choking him again. <laughs> Evil dead style. The, he manages to get it off, throws it into the forest. He looks at his watch, noticing it's about to be 9 p.m., but gets surprised one last time by the headless body reaching out to him. This time it doesn't have enough life left in it to fight and just collapses. This drags out way too long. Oh, yeah. Daniel runs and finds the gas owner, Walter, from the start of the movie. He runs to the phone and is talking to someone telling them they need to get the broadcast off the air. They don't believe him, but he frantically keeps trying to convince them. Walter just watches and happily hands candy to kids in the middle of fucking nowhere. Walter's shop looks like it's like on the mountainside in the middle of nowhere, right? Do you think they're from Santa Mira or whatever? The little town? Oh, the kids? Yeah. Like they walked all the way out there? I don't know. There's nowhere to <laughs> trick or treat. You're going to go where you can. Walter just watches and happily hands candy to kids in the silver shamrock masks. For a second, there's a glimmer of hope as the channel on the TV goes on standby. A kid changes the channel where the commercial is still playing, but that channel also goes on standby. The kid changes it one last time, and this time the commercial continues. Daniel frantically tells them to stop it on the third channel, and we never find out if they do because he's just left screaming, Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Until the credits roll. What would make a TV broadcasting center listen to stop him. their broadcast just because a crazy man is yelling at them on the phone? No way. No way. All those kids are dead. That's how this movie ends. Everyone dies. The end. Kids of people who have money, because I doubt if I was a kid in this universe, I would have gotten this mask. <laughs> so you'd be safe. I'd be safe. But that's it. That is it. Would you be murdered? No, I don't know. Do you wear masks as a kid? No, I didn't. I would do makeup and a fucking jacket because I grew up in the Midwest. <laughs> didn't even matter if you wore a costume. Yeah, you had your like little Cinderella dress on, but you had a fucking winter jacket. Coat. Yeah, <laughs> I remember one year uh, I was like a like a fairy princess thing, and I had to put on a giant jacket, and my parents like duct tape strapped the wings onto my coat. Oh, no. <laughs> it was just like <laughs> stiff as hell walking around. <laughs> think more of like a christmas story where oh, the yeah. kid's like i can't move <laughs> all right what did you think of it oh my god i need to collect my thoughts so when i first originally watched this film i found it extremely boring it did not keep my attention even though there are crazy things that happen i don't feel like they are executed in an interesting way that keeps you engaged it's just boring 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 that's weird boring 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 that's supposed to be actiony and fun but i don't care I know this film has found its fan base, and I can respect that. It's ridiculous. The story does not make sense, and that's what some people love. And sometimes I love it too, but I kind of need the story to tie together a little bit, and this just does not do it for me. I think Tom Atkins is good. I think some of the actors here are not that great. It's just not for me at all. I think the actors are okay. I think it's the characters that suck. It could be know? the lack of chemistry or the lack of important dialogue happening. The lack of writing characters to organically behave with each other. Because yes. everything is like forced. Let's make Daniel the ladies man guy who hits on everybody and everyone wants a second date with him. Like, don't force that on me. It feels like they didn't know what they wanted to do most of the time. It's really boring. There's a lot of shit that's just like, why though? Thanks, Loki. I wanted to like this. I told you that when we watched In Search of Darkness, we hadn't seen Halloween 3. And then we watched it afterward. And I was like, okay, like I see what people mean by if this movie was a standalone film, it could be good. I think back then I was like, on first watch, yeah, I like this. And then watching it again, I was doing the floor and just not even paying attention to it. I was like, when is this movie over? Why you isn't it over You did not like yet? it on the first watch. I said that I agree that, okay, on its own, it's fine. But I'm also a Michael Myers stan. Yeah. So I was like, no, yeah, I don't like this as a Halloween film, but I see how on its own it'd be fine. So to give this movie some props where props are due, I think the mask designs are awesome they're great masks i don't know if they were 
this great quality in the 80s because masks don't look like that now. The kills, I think three of them I found very entertaining. It was all of them that we mentioned where Marge gets her face blown off. Great makeup where Ellie's head is decapitated from her and she's still moving around. Great special effects. And when the kid's face melts off. But those are the things that are good about this film. Just to give it some positive feedback. Sure. But hey, again, this is our opinion. If you love this film, by all means... Watch it every it. year. That being said, what would you rate it? I would give this a two and a half. Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to go with a four. Again, the credit is going to go mostly to the makeup, but I would not. Like, I could go the rest of my life without watching this movie again, and I'd be okay. Same. I don't think it would matter if I saw this again. I can't wait to see us put the rating on socials and people will be like, no, in the comments. I know. People have done that to us before. I think, what movie was it that we rated high and people were like, uh, fuck no, what the fuck are you talking about? I think I've said it on the show before, but I will stand by this because it's my fucking podcast and I, <laughs> I can say what I want. I really love Jennifer's body. Part of it is a nostalgic reason and part of it is that I think the film was underappreciated in its time and I think that there is a lot of subtext there that is woman-centered and that's why people hate it. <laughs> So when I rated it a 9 out of 10, people were like, you're Wrong. an idiot, yeah. <laughs> which is fine. But I'm the one, I'm the idiot with the microphone. So, you know, go start your own podcast. Uh, we haven't seen Halloween Ends yet. And I'm annoyed by everyone who's like, this movie fucking blows. Honestly, fucking shittiest Halloween movie ever. And I was like, have you seen Halloween 3? <laughs> we all like what we like, okay? Yeah, <laughs> that's all we're trying to say. Did anything about this movie scare Loki? I didn't watch it with Loki around. You watched the day with him. He slept the entire time. Oh, he said, fuck this movie. It's boring. Yeah. yeah. I do want to say that walking Loki around and Ripley, now that we have her, I think it's fun that we're in suburbia because walking around very much feels like we're in a Haddonfield-like town. And there's a Michael Myers decoration like a block over yes and loki growls at it all the time <laughs> but Does he's he? happy he's happy when i'm wearing the michael myers suit. i don't think he growls at that one he growls at the one that makes noise the freddy because he will approach the michael one willingly <laughs> <laughs> like oh yeah this is familiar but yeah the other ones that make noise he's not a fan of yeah and ripley's just terrified of all of them loki at least is like we are used to this we live in fear that's what we do ripley's still learning ripley introduce yourself loki tell us how this is going i guess <laughs> Welcome to this nightmare of a family, Ripley. <laughs> Elvira, what do you have to say about Ripley? Thank you, Velvita. Does that pretty much wrap it up here for us? It does. I can't wait not to talk about this movie ever again. All right. As always, we hope you guys had a good time here with us. You could follow us pretty much anywhere at Shaken Not Scared Pod, except Twitter, Twitter Shaken Scared Pod. You can send us an email at shakennotscaredpod at gmail.com. Support the show on Patreon and get early access to episodes or a bonus episode and theme drink idea every month. Listen wherever you get your podcast. Give us a follow. Check out our drink videos if you listen on YouTube. Make sure to comment, subscribe, leave us a like. Tell us your favorite part or not favorite part of Halloween 3. Be sure to like, rate, review, all that good stuff. And okay, thanks. Bye. Seven days to Halloween. 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 Seven days to Halloween. Silver, Silver Shamrock. Bye.